to do something different today. Uh, everyone in Auditorium 1 and Auditorium 2, uh, would you all just stand and we're going to read God's Word and we're going to get into the message today. Uh, can, we, can we go old school? Um, here's, my, here's, my, uh, here's my read, the lay of the land of our world right now. Uh, old school is going to be the new school. Um, old school is going to be the new school. Um, so I'm going to move away from my iPad for just a second. We're going to read God's word together, and then we're going to pray. Is that all right with everybody? This is the word of the Lord, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. Paul the apostle writing, he says this, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Notice he doesn't ask who they are. He says, what are they? And there's a reason for that, because Paul's not going to be speaking about identity Singular. He's talking about something else, and we'll get into that in just a second. So he says, what then is Apollos? What then is Paul? They are servants through whom you believed, and each has the role the Lord has given. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his own reward. Everybody shout reward according to his own labor. For we are God's co-workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to God's grace that was given to me, I've laid a foundation as a skilled master builder and another builds on it. But each one is to be careful how he builds on it. For no one can lay any foundation other than what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. And if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become obvious for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. If anyone's work that he has built survived, he will receive, ever shout, reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will experience loss for sure, but he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple the Spirit of God lives in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and that is what you are. Jesus, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that it's alive, it's active, it's powerful. It has the ability to transform us from the inside out. Your word is truth. We thank you for it. It's in this truth today that we find everything that we need for life, for holiness, for faith, God. I pray for those of us today who are walking in here struggling, may we leave here lifted up by your word of faith. Would your Holy Spirit move in our time together today as we dig into your word and study today. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, and all across this church, everybody shouted. Amen. Can we praise Jesus just one more time? Come on. And you can grab your seats. I want to speak to you from this subject today. If you're writing notes, just write this down at the top of them. Uh, A counter story. As we begin this series, Glory to Glory, I want to speak to you from this subject, a counter story. As we look at the story that we've been invited into, called into, and this, this story called the church, and why what we do with it matters. Um, I love movies. Is there any movie fans in here? Come on, show me. Um, I am not a, uh, when it comes to books, I read leadership and I read theology. And then I just, uh, like I read weird random fringe stuff as well. I love articles. I'm constantly cued into kind of what's happening in the world around us through different sources of, uh, of writing and engagement. So I don't, I don't read uh, like storybooks or is it fiction, right? Fiction. I don't read fiction books, novels, things like that. Um, but I watch movies. I am a fan of movies. Uh, I, I love movies. I love storylines. And, and how many of you would agree with me that in every good story, in every good storyline, there's always a subplot, yeah. right? Because a singular plot gets, gets mundane, it gets boring. It, it, it becomes irrelevant at times. So the movies that even like that get more complex, I love it where there's, there's this plot, there's the main plot going on and then they introduce you to different characters and then so you have the character subplots going on. If I'm watching a, uh, a movie with my wife, uh, she hates it when movies go in rewind, when they go like 20 years earlier and I'm losing my mind, I'm so pumped about it. 
I'm like, yes, another subplot. We watched one movie where it, was, it kept on going back and forth between it. She's like, this is nonsense. I'm out of here. And I'm like, bye. And so I'm in it because I, I love the, the subplot. And what we don't realize is that often in life, that's what's going on around us. And in God's kingdom, that's what's happening as well. I want to illustrate this because uh, in my house, believe it or not, we have subplots. You ever think, can we go creative for just a second? Can you work with my shapes and colors mind this morning? I was thinking about this the other day. So we have, we have a home. We live in it. Um, it's me, uh, my wife, Erica, my three children, uh, Justice, Shiloh, and Eliana. Six, 12, and soon to be 14. Good night. I know. It's crazy. And so uh, Eric and I, we are in the kitchen and here and I were having a conversation uh, across from each other. It was a deep and meaningful moment. We had our coffee out and we're chatting and, and so on and so forth. And, and uh, I, I gotta be honest with you, as we were talking, I started to ignore what she was saying to me um, because I realized that my ears were engaging in little mini subplots that were taking place in my home. Okay. Come on. Yep. Okay. How many of you know what I'm talking about? The, the, one of the subplots included Eliana, who was playing with her Barbie dolls downstairs, and something was taking place in the Barbie family. To this day, I don't know what it is, but it was, there was some friction in the Barbie house. <laughs> right? And then there was this other subplot that was going on with my 12-year-old and my 14-year-old. I don't know what was going on in that subplot, but I knew that the, the, the volume was elevated and somebody wasn't happy. <laughs> Subplots, mini subplots. And then my wife stopped talking, got up. She went down to engage in all three of the subplots. And so often we don't realize that that's what life is for all of us. And that's actually what's happening in the church. We have the big C church, the kingdom of God. And then we have all of these little subplots happening called the local church. All with beautiful stories taking place all with different people. Can I just like give you my bias this morning for just a second? Here's my bias. I'm absolutely in love with this subplot called The Well. I love what God is doing here, right? And, and, and guess what? I love what God is doing in the church down the, the road. And, and I love what God is doing in the churches in Ogden and, and, and down south in Utah County and in our valley. But I am so enamored with and love shepherding what God is doing right here at the well. And this subplot in here has diversity and this subplot has joy and this subplot has loud worship. And this sub, y'all see what I'm talking about? Subplots. And so I want to talk to you, this series that we're going to be in for the next six weeks is about this subplot. It's what God's doing right here. I don't mean that to sound uh, arrogant or bragging or anything like that, but my hope as your pastor over these next six weeks is to direct us forward into all that God is doing in this subplot known as the well. Is that all right with everybody? I say that as my bias because I want you to know I'm a very aware of what is happening all across the world. I'm very aware of what is happening in neighborhoods all around us. But the field that I've been given responsibility for is this one right here. So we begin today our Glory to Glory series, which is our legacy series here at the Wells. We lead up to our annual legacy offering taking place on March 3rd. Now, I wanna make sure that I'm very clear that this series is a series about what, is going, what it's going to take to move into everything that God has placed in front of us as a church. Specifically, as it relates to the construction and renovation required to occupy the building that we've just purchased located right next to us. Now, I wanna say this as well. While this is a series about generosity and vision, it's also a significant series about identity. So that you know, if you're a guest with us today, please come back next week and for the next seven weeks of this, six, seven weeks of this series, because I'm not talking about resource every single week, but I want you to know that it will, we will bob and weave through this over the next few weeks as we lead up to our legacy offering. Is that all right with everybody? Okay. This is an important moment for our church. And so I don't want to apologize about that, but even more significant, this series is about identity. This entire year, as I talked about on Vision Sunday, is going to be a year about identity. Part of spiritual formation, we talked a lot about the soul in 2023. This year, part of spiritual formation is learning about our identity. Come on, somebody, how many of you would agree with me? God has a lot to say about who we are. Come on, God has a lot to say about who we are. 
And as we've been focused on spiritual formation, I've found that we need to deal with this issue of identity, which is part of our overall spiritual formation. We as Christians see this fleshed out in our lives in two areas, personal identity, someone can write this down today, and corporate identity. Personal identity and corporate identity. Uh, can you all just help me out today and uh, don't take corporate as like a, a, a sterile, it's just the easiest way to encompass all of us. Does that work for everybody today? I'm not talking about like corporation, okay? Um, so corporate identity, uh, personal identity. And I wanna say this today, God is concerned with both in our lives. He cares about who I am becoming, but he also cares about who we are becoming. And to our detriment, much of the preaching and teaching that has taken place over the past 20 years or so, and I'm guilty of this as well, has been primarily focused on the I part of the equation, which of course is important. And we're gonna talk about that as we dive into one of our largest series after Easter. But as we've done this, we've lost the strength of our corporate identity, the church. And this has had an impact at a global and local level. As the church has become an ever flowing group of eyes instead of we's, the church has been impacted. The global reality has been impacted. The local reality has, impact, has been impacted. Is that making sense to everybody? And what we've done is we've allowed ourselves to be shaped by the secular liturgy of I, instead of the biblical reality of we. Brothers and sisters. Oh, I guess that again. Brothers and Sisters, maybe you better understand it like this. We fam. <laughs> I hope all the other services got it like you just got it. That's fine. So this is why Rod, Rod Dreyer in his book, The Benedict Option, would write this. We should stop trying to meet the world on its own terms and focus on building up fidelity in distinct community. Instead of being seeker friendly, we should be finder friendly. Offering those who come to us a new and different way of life. It must be a way of life shaped by the biblical story in a world that wasn't to obscure them and make us forget. It must be a way of life marked by stability and order and achieved through the steady work, both communal and individual of prayer, asceticism and service to others. Exactly what liquid modernity cannot provide. I wanna just go on record of saying that the world cannot provide what the body was designed to provide. Provide. God said he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And what's interesting is that many of us are looking for the world to provide what only God and his family can provide. This is why people drink the purple Kool-Aid of CrossFit. Right, you remember when Starbucks used to, like they used to tout this idea of we're, we're, we're this other, we're this new community, the, the third space where we can show up and have community. Well, now they want you out of the store as fast as possible. And they started making dinky stores so that you just go through the drive-through now. Communities become a pop cultural term. Everybody's a community now. We're all looking for our community. Check this out. I want to mess with somebody's theology today. We're not building community here. No, I got quiet in church today. If you came in here looking for community today, you came to the wrong place. Can I hold the tension for a second? We're building a family. Seven of you are getting this, okay. Because how many of you know, if you show up to your gym tomorrow and you're like the person next to you and you're like, hey, just call me brother. <laughs> just call me sister. They'd be like, just call me gone, <laughs> right? 
They don't want any part of it. Why? Because community is, is a local gathering place. Well, yeah, sure, there's diversity and people can bump into each other and so on and so forth, but family's different. This is why a lot of people are offended in church because you want community, not family. And family gives something very different than community. Oh, pastor shouldn't talk that way. Well, in community, you're right, but in family, we're gonna chat. Come on, am I talking to anybody in church today? So it's, it, it's, it's different, it's different. It's a, it's a counter story. It's a subplot to the world around us. The story of the gospel community is what we need if we're gonna fight against the propensity toward the modern self. The self that writer Philip Cushman would call the empty self. This is what he writes. He says, the empty self is filled with consumer goods, calories, experiences, politicians, romantic partners, and empathetic therapists. The empty self experiences a significant absence of community, tradition, and here it is, shared meaning. A lack of personal conviction and worth, and it embodies the absences as a chronic, undifferentiated emotional hunger. And that is why when we show up to the house of God, and we have a moment in the presence of the Holy Spirit, what you've been thirsty for in life you find refreshment from in Jesus. That's why he would say, what I give you, you'll never thirst again. Come on, can anybody admit, and I know there's a lot of connotations to this, but can we all just say it? The world is thirsty. <sighs> Some of you are like, what does that mean? <laughs> so I wanna, go, I wanna go on record. I'm gonna go on record a lot today. The, the, the body, this community of faith, I don't even like using the word community now, this family of faith, this construction project that God is doing, it's a counter story. See, the empty self undermines the story of God in our lives as a connected self, one who has meaning and shared worth within the family of God known as, as the church. Every single one of us is to find our place in God's story. And we all have one. But part of the story includes us together as the church and the distinct role the church plays in the story. See, within the New Testament, you'll find that this issue of corporate identity is spoken about by using different terms and pictures, and it's spoken about a lot. We will see that the church is, first and foremost, the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and Romans 12. The Bible tells us that this, this thing called the church is the bride of Christ, Deuteronomy 7 and Ephesians 5. The Bible tells us that this thing called the church is the family of God, Acts chapter 17, Ephesians 2 and Romans 8. The Bible tells us that this, this thing known as the church is the, the house of God, Ephesians 2, Matthew 7 and 1 Timothy 3. So when you hear Christian nomenclature like the family of God or the house of God, when we say, come on, is it good to be in the, the house together today? It's not some like little cool saying that we're trying to put together. We're actually exercising a type of liturgy by saying, welcome to the house of God because we have been told by scripture, that's what this thing is. Y'all see what I'm talking about? And so it's important that we understand this. This is why I said, I think old school is the new, the, 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 the new, new school. Old school is the new school. And I think it's important because I think many of us trust the older ways because we've been burnt by the new fads. And how many of you agree with me? Fads come, fads go. Come on, how many of you that live like, like in the 70s, 60s and 70s? You're like, I wish I would have saved all my clothes. Cause we back. My wife has bell bottoms right now and I'm half tempted to buy corduroy. <laughs> I saw some the other day. <laughs> I went to the store with my daughter. I was like, hey, what do you think of these? She's like, not yet, no. <laughs> and that, what we just read in, in, in Corinthians is the Bible tells us that, that the church is the, the living temple of God. Now in Corinthians, as we just read this one, 
When Paul says, don't you selves know that you are God's temple and the spirit of God lives in you? A lot of us, here, here's where we have a tendency to go. And how many of you know, you probably even did this when you were reading this scripture. You automatically think about I. That's not what Paul is talking about. In the context of this scripture, he is talking about we. If anyone destroys this temple. Now for sure, we know that murder is wrong because it's against the Imago Dei, the temple of God as individuals. But Paul is saying, if anyone destroys this as well. And we're living in another moment, not the only moment, but across history since the beginning of this thing called the church, generation after generation has tried to burn it to the ground. But how many of you know you cannot break what God is building? So you can quickly see that there are significant implications for who we are in light of these spiritual injunctions, which carry very practical realities with them. As we move towards our legacy offering, I hope this series, Glory to Glory, helps us become a better version of ourselves, church. I pray that we become stronger and more engaged in the life of this faith community. I pray that we become faith family. No more, I'm not saying community anymore, okay? I pray that we become more committed to generosity and sacrificial giving. I pray that we become more aware of the impact each other has on each other. And we're not just a collection of autonomous beings that simply bump into each other on a Sunday. I dare you to stay five minutes longer than you did last week. I dare you. <laughs> right? Grab a coffee, that's why we have it. We are like, when we why do you guys serve coffee at church? Because it's our way of tricking you into staying longer. <laughs> Come on, can I be honest with you in church today? It's not because we think it's cool, right? We used to serve food, why? Because people stay where food's at. <laughs> Especially if it's in the form of round carbohydrates with sugar frosting. <laughs> You're like, I like this church. <laughs> We gotta stop bumping into each other. Start looking at each other and go, how, how you doing? I pray our worship becomes more robust and impassioned towards the God that we love and serve. I pray that we become more anchored in humility and saturated by love in order to reach the city around us. I pray that we become more confident in the truth of God's word so as to stand firm and secure in a culture that continues to drift further and further from God's design for flourishing in favor. I pray that this series gives us what we need to go from glory to glory, strength to strength, faith to faith. He's taking us somewhere. He's moving us forward into something. Stories shape who we are becoming. Would you agree? Which is true for the church as well. Paul the apostle is going to tell a story about the church. In Ephesians chapter two, verses 17 through to 22, to 22 let's, let's look what he writes. This is what the Bible says. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were, every shout, far away. And peace to those who were near. So what was he saying? Peace to everybody. For, though, for through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. You see that? We are not community we are family. Community comes for a product. But family comes to eat together. That's why you show up to a gym, give me my product that I'm paying for. But we show up to a family to eat together, to commune, to hear from our dad's words to be challenged, to be held accountable, to be pointed into a direction, to be encouraged and to leave and to take it out into the world because we are finder friendly, not seeker friendly. So I'm just gonna go on record of saying, you're gonna show up, to, you're gonna invite a friend to church. I'm reading all these articles right now that are trying to tell pastors, hey guys, keep it, keep it under control because the last thing you want is somebody to invite their friend to church and it'd be weird. 
I've never had that conversation with my wife or my kids. Hey guys, keep it non-weird. Joe and Susan are coming over. Right, right. Right? That's called fake. So I want you to be able to go, man, I've got friends that need this place. I got friends that need a family. I got friends that need to be in the presence of God. And just so you know, we're family. So Uncle Bob is a little wild and out. <laughs> Sit on this side of me. <laughs> so then you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone holding it all together. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple of the Lord. You see the gravity that's being applied to this situation called the church? In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. So what is the story of the church that Paul's communicating? He's saying that the church is first, it's for the distant, to find proximity in. He's saying it's for the lost to be found in. He's saying it's for the sinner to find grace in. He's saying it's for the exposed to find protection in. He's saying it's for families to find strength in. And he's saying it's for the vulnerable to find security in. This is family. There's a collective reality about our Lies, and too often many settle for a life that is void of collective meaning. Collective meaning that's found in purpose and, and, and design. And sure, most of us have friends and we have colleagues and we have family and we have spouses and we have acquaintances, but shared meaning and purpose is often missing from all of those spaces. In other words, as author Christopher Watkin, not the, not the guy, a, not that guy, okay? The church, listen to what he writes. The church is the community that performs a different story, rhythmed to the beat of creation, fall, and redemption. Come on, somebody. Is anybody thankful for the God who has saved us and knit us together? <laughs> Professor and theologian Kevin Van Hooser frames it like this, and I quote, Christians gathered in the church community are the actors who together, now he's using creative words here, okay? So like, don't get literal with actors and be like, see, we're just performing. That's not what he's saying, okay? Are the actors who together stage the drama of doctrine, moving and speaking to the, to the rhythms and patterns of God's word, improvising in the spirit of the plot where it does not give direct specific guidance on a particular scene. It is a story of exuberant creation, painful loss and gracious rescue, patient waiting and final triumph that embodies a way of being in the world oriented to faith, hope and love. What is he saying? We live according to a different plan and story. There's a different plot line for our life. The world's got its story. I'm in my subplot. And the character and this other thing that's going on. I hope this reframes how you come to church. Oh, my heart. If I can just tell you, just put it out there. I think the staff's heart, our team's heart. What would it look like? What would it look like to have a church that we all actually just wanted to be at? I wanna be here. I, I really do. We orient our life around it. Well, you may say, well, you're, you're, you're paid to do that. I'd do it anyways. I did it for many, many years. Why? Because I, I realized one day after reading this, there's a different, I'm a part of a different story. Something I don't get at my local coffee shop, something I don't get at my, yeah. my local gym, something I don't get at that restaurant. I'm a part of something different. Y'all with me this morning? Yeah. So this brings us back to our main section of scripture. First Corinthians chapter three, verses five to 17, and the truths that Paul communicates in this section of scripture. And this is what I wanna spend the rest of our time looking at today. And it's gonna get real practical now. Is that all right with everybody? Yeah. 
and then we're gonna, we're gonna share some faith today and then we're gonna share some really cool um, forward motion on some stuff and I hope you all lose your mind like I've been losing my mind, okay? Um, so uh, I wanna look at three truths that's communicated to us uh, right here in this section of scripture that we looked at at the beginning of this message today. I need your help, every shot number one. Here's the first thing. We all play a part in the story. You see that? Every shout we. Every shout all. Every shout we. Every shout all. Every shout we all. Every turn to your neighbor and say, that means you. Turn back, turn back to your neighbor and say, be quiet, I'm listening, okay? We all play a part in the story. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? They are servants through whom you believed. And each has the role the Lord has given. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. The one who does this and the one who does that isn't anything but God who gives the growth. The one who does that and the one who does that isn't anything but God who gives the growth. The one who does this and the one who does this isn't anything. God gave the growth. Someone asked me a little while ago, like, hey, man, what's happening at the well is amazing. Have you ever thought about writing a book about what is taking place? And as fast as I possibly could, I went, absolutely not. Here's why. Because it's not me. How do I know that? Because Jason cannot manufacture a global pandemic that caused a theater to go out of business, that caused an owner to redesignate the land use so that it could be sold so that the church that was next door to it could buy it when 10 years ago they were praying for it. Come on, somebody, only God does that. That's God's work. But then we humans go, but I'm gonna write a book about it. Actually, I should write a book about it. Chapter one, it wasn't me, end. Can I get away with that? Oh, if I could, let's do it. It'd be the best book ever written. Um. So we all, we all play a part in this, you play a part in the story. You play a part in the story. You, 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 you. Auditorium too, you, 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 you. Everybody online, you, 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 you. Y'all play a part in the, in the story. And too often, too often, especially in a growing and larger church, we can believe that what we do doesn't matter. What we contribute doesn't matter. And I just wanna go on record, there I am again, and say this is the furthest thing from the truth. You may have stepped in here for the first time today and you're like, I'm brand new. What I do doesn't matter. That's a lie. In community, you're right. But in family, that's dead wrong, right? We, we, uh, we've uh, finally trained our kids um, to after dinner every, pretty much every night that we eat dinner together at the table, they quickly get the dishes, take them off the table. And it's become like clockwork. So Eric and I sit back and we talk and the kids are like, whoop, and they go and they do their, they do their thing. But Elle, who's six, she hasn't quite, like, quite got into it. So we trained our oldest, but my oldest trained our youngest. And then even just the other day, I watched Eliana. She didn't grab a bunch, but just one plate. Whoop. And the ranch dressing. Because dinner ain't white without ranch. <laughs> and she, she's like, she's marching off behind the rest of, rest of the kids, right? Going in and doing, why? Because even she plays a part in our family. And as she grows, she'll do heavier lifting, but we are all included in the family. Y'all see what I'm talking about? Every single one of us play a part. One author would put it like this. Oh, I love this. Man, I gotta move. Okay. <laughs> Welcome back to me teaching. <laughs> the, the divided church is created 
by our forgetting that we are all servants and ministers of the one Lord and that both the field and the harvest are his. A divided church is created when we forget that. That's Paul's point. We all play a role, but God gets the glory. We all play a role, but God gets the glory. We all play a role, but God gets the glory. Come on, somebody in A2, we all play the role, but God gets the glory. We all have a part, but God gives the increase. As a dreamer and a visionary, I love the idea of what could be. I often sit in my office and dream about what could be, shapes and colors. So I ask the question, what could happen if all of us played a part? What would happen if we didn't think someone else will take care of it? Oh, what would happen if, some of, if, we, if we all came in here and going, you know what? I'm not gonna rely on somebody else to worship today. Yeah. I'm gonna worship. Yeah. And if the person next to you thought the same thing on, and all Pastor. of a sudden we all worshiping. On, oh, just, you know, somebody else, somebody else will give today. But what, if we, what if we all did? Yeah. Come on, somebody. Uh, somebody else will serve today. But what if, what if we all, all did? What if somebody, how many of you know, like even just like simple things, uh, I, I've got it kind of built into me now. If I see trash on the sidewalk, I pick it up because I don't want to think somebody else will do it. This is my house, just like it's your house. So I get involved. Y'all see what I'm talking about? What would happen if we all did it? If we all got involved with the story and when we all get involved, the church at the local level tells a counter story to the world around us. One of grandeur, one of flourishing, one of beauty, one of grace, one of mercy, one of power and one of life. This is the story that I wanna be a part of right here in Utah. So I wanna show you something really quick. When, the, when it comes to our legacy offering on March 3rd, we can all be a part of it. We can all be a part of the story somehow. If we think about a $6 million goal, which we talked about Vision Sunday, that's a surprise for some of you. That can seem like a gargantuan amount, can it? I know, I saw the eyes of some of you. I said it, and they're like, what? Because some of us can't even fathom that reality. And there's nothing wrong with that. I can't fathom that reality. It's an amount we can't comprehend. But what I wanna show us is that all of us together, all of us playing a part, what it could possibly look like. I wanna show you how to swallow an elephant. I'm gonna show this the, fir the first slide, check this out. Okay, how to swallow an elephant. In order to reach $6 million, this is, there's a million and one ways to do this. Apparently that's what math helps you with, okay? <laughs> to hit a grand total of $6 million, it would look something like this. One person to give a million dollars, three to give 500,000, five, so on and so forth, all the way down to 400 people giving $250. And there's many of us who can do this, maybe not so many who can do this, but we range all the way in between. Y'all see what I'm tracking? So if 918 of us engage, not just what we can do, but by faith, what God is calling us to do, we can reach this. Well, Jason, you just made reaching $6 million sound so simple. It's because it is. Okay, I, I wanna, seriously, it is. What stands in our way between right now and that? It's a little thing called faith and obedience. Because it's all there. But here's what I want to show you. So that's, that's, that's the grand goal. I gave you this. But um, by God's grace and, and goodness, I want to show you where we are at and how the elephant has gotten a little bit smaller. Check this out. Wow. Where we are at. Wow. We actually only have $4 million to raise because somebody has already committed a million dollars, okay? Well, that brings it down to five. Yes, but we've been stewarding and saving well as a church, so we already have another million to put towards the goal, okay? So guess what? Now all we need is to reach four million with 642 gifts. If we would all step out in obedience, and faith. You see what I'm saying? How many of you know the elephant just lost its legs? Okay? 
So here's, here's what I wanna encourage us. I'm not gonna belabor this. We'll talk about this over and over again. Here's just what I'm saying. I'm saying that we can do it. Last year in our legacy offering, we had 709 gifts given in our legacy offering. So, and our church is much larger than it is today. This, this is what it looks like, any variation of this. And so I'm gonna go out on a limb and just say to all of us, you gotta look at where you're at in this journey. It is not equal giving, but it is equal sacrifice. Yeah. Young adults, you can do this somewhere along the journey. You can be just as involved as any of our business women or men in here who have different means. Erica and I have already, have already put together what we are gonna give and it's significant for us, but we're trusting God with it. And I gotta just tell you now, already we're seeing God move in our personal world in such a way that they're like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. Y'all with me today? So this is how we swallow an elephant. Online, we've got many of you watching from all kinds of different areas. You are not in this building, but what happens in this building impacts you. And I know that there's somebody online in our online church community who has the ability, in our online church family, (laughs) scratch that out, in our online church family. (laughs) Stop it now. Um, You can do something in this place. You can do big somethings. Y'all tracking with me today? The truth is, is that we all have a part to play. Here's the question. Will we participate? Number two, here's the second thing that Paul tells us. What we build matters. What we build matters. According to God's grace that was given to me, I've laid a foundation as a skilled master builder. Another builds on it, but each one is to be careful how he builds on it. For no one can lay any foundation other than what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on that foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become obvious for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. If anyone's work that he has built survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will experience loss, but he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. What Paul is submitting to each of us is that the church matters and it is to be distinctive. And this is an idea that I really love. On your way out today, I hope and pray that every single one of you will grab one of these that we have uh, had our team design. Meredith absolutely crushed it in putting this thing together. Um, There's uh, this envelope right here, which is something to be praying over and saving as we lead towards, we'll talk about this every single week around here, as we lead towards our legacy offering. But what's cool about this whole thing is you get to see in these like little fun handouts and stuff like that, that like what is happening in our church matters because of the people that it's impacting. And then we've got this cool little thing. I want to show you this right here because it was fun and, and uh, we were making fun of him. Uh, D got the biggest picture. Um, so it's fun. He's so mad that I did that right now. <laughs> but in here is all kinds of stories of impact. Like what, what, what is happening here? Why are we doing this? Because it matters. Because what we are building matters. This is the idea that's conveyed by Augustine's work as he proposes, and I quote, that the soul is drawn on by love as objects are drawn on by gravity. But it's not a new idea. Listen to what Jesus would say in Matthew chapter six, verses 19 to 21. Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither not moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Yes. How many of you know that if something matters, our heart's with it? Yes. Come on, how many of you know if something matters, our heart is with it? Yes. I'm gonna invite the t- uh, team up or whoever's coming up. Somebody's coming up. <laughs> Keys are coming up, I think. Jesus is saying that when something matters, you put yourself into it. The church is God's plan. And Jesus said he would build it, not arbitrarily, but by using living stones, you and I to do so. I hope, that this, I hope this is a series where for all of us in this family of faith, that it begins to mean something more than it already means to you. I hope this place becomes a place of meaning for our families as our kids are discipled in the way of Jesus and parents are equipped to lead and steward their families. I hope this place becomes a place of meaning as students are inspired to live their faith out in a way that is substantive and countercultural to the complexity and natural flow of the world around them. 
I hope this place becomes meaningful for young adults as they develop confidence in their faith to lead within their spheres of influence and not be derailed by convincing arguments and popular thoughts. I hope this place becomes meaningful for men and women as they step into their God-given purpose and identity, uh, imaging and reflecting the radiance of God's goodness and design in their lives. I hope this place is a place of meaning for the sages of the house as you pour into this next generation with wisdom and experience, all while being honored and applauded for running your race with endurance and faith. I pray that this becomes a house of meaning because we fam. This place matters because what we are building matters. Listen to what King David says in 1 Chronicles 29, one through three. I love this. Then King David said to all the assembly, my son Solomon, God has chosen him alone. He's young and inexperienced. The task is great because the building will not be built for a human, but for the Lord God. So to the best of my ability, I've made provision for the house of my God. Gold for the gold article, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, and wood for the wood, as well as onyx and stones for mounting, antimony, stones of various colors, all kinds of precious stones, and great quantity of marble. And then listen to verse three. Moreover, because of my delight in the house of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the house of my God over and above all that I've provided for the holy house. Why? Because he loved the house of God. David's passion for the house drove him him towards uncommon generosity. And that's what it'll take for you and me. Why? Because what we're building matters. Number three, everybody shout number three. Last one. We are meant to last. So Paul says, don't you yourselves know that you're God's temple, that the spirit of God lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is holy. And that is what you are. The truth is, is that there's an ever increasing negativity towards the church. I know some of you are even dealing it right now as I preach this message today. I get it. We've made in many ways fatal mistakes Stupid things have been done in the name of Jesus. I don't sweep that underneath the rug, but you don't get better by destroying it. It would seem that for many people, church is not needed in their lives. This has created a void in the community as churches have begun to shut their doors. Check this out. According to studies done in 2019, the United States saw 3,000 churches opened. Sounds pretty great, huh? But in the same year, 4,500 closed. As well, studies tell us that currently the average age of a senior pastor in the United States is 60. Only 16% are 40 years of age or younger. And the average church size has dropped to 65 I tell this because I want us to understand a sobering truth. Hear me when I say this today. Legacy is about longevity. We're not just building for today, we're building for tomorrow. Because now we're almost a, more than a decade old as a church. We turn 11 next month. More so than ever, we have to ask ourselves the question, are we, come on church, look at me when I say this, from the new people to those of you who've been around forever, look at me when I say this, are we as the well built to last? Are we built to last? I got a good run in front of me still. I'm only 41. But guess what? We're already thinking about how we pass this thing on. Because the minute my leadership edge gets dull, it's time to start shifting. To you college students in here, please, can I beg you? Can I beg you? You may not always understand all the things that are going on around here. You younger generation, you may not always understand, like you may not always see like, man, how do I fit in this place? Well, you fit. You fit. We just need you to hang around long enough and and grow with us. Why? Because some of you that are sitting in these places and spaces, you you are doing this next. 
Our kids are doing this next. The, the 350 children that we will have in that building over there all across the day today, this is theirs next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we built to last? Yeah. Five of you, let's try it again. Are we built to last? Yeah. Glory to glory. Strength to strength. Are we leaving that for the next generation? These are the questions that we, listen to me when I say this, these are the questions we will answer with this year's legacy offering. That's the, those are the questions we're answering with this year's legacy offering. Okay, one more piece of scripture, then I'm done. I'll be quiet. Matthew chapter 16, 13 through to 17, watch this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? I want you to see this discourse. They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah and one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus responded, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, here it is, I will build my church. I'll give it the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Listen to this. Legacy begins with a confession of faith in the one who is the head of it all. And his name is Jesus. Today, I submit to you, church, that over the next six weeks, we are gonna discover what it means to go from glory to glory. And in doing so, we may just see a miracle in 2024 that we've never seen take place before. In Jesus' mighty name, and the church shouted, amen. amen. Let's bow our head, close our eyes. I wanna pray a prayer. Some of you might be thinking right now, like, man, I just stepped into this place. Like, like am I included in this? Oh yeah, you're included in this. Where does it start? But for those of us who have yet to say yes to Jesus, it starts there. It starts with a yes, not to a building, not even to a ministry. First, it starts with just a, a yes to Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. All of us praying this prayer out loud together so we don't leave any bad. Everybody say, Jesus, I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you my past. I'm giving you my right now. I'm putting my future in your hands. Save me, change me, make me new. And I declare in this moment, I'm gonna follow you all the days of my life. Today, I'm turning from my sin and I'm following your ways. In Jesus' mighty name.